Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters, and a very happy new year to you. May 2016 be a year of enlightenment and joy and meaningful purpose. And we're starting the year off with a great show for you, an educational show, an understanding of what autism is, uh, the very many different layers of it, how we can overcome it, how we can deal with it, um, you know, what really can be done for it, and why we're actually seeing so many autistic kids out there today. And my guest, my wonderful guest, Tammy Goldstein, has a daughter with um, highly functional autism, which is Asperger's syndrome. And she spent uh, quite a number of years rather in a tailspin while she tried to kind of understand what this was. And she decided to take a more holistic and natural approach to it rather than the Western medicine and uh, has discovered some many, many wonderful techniques. Um, she did uh, the Reiki therapy and now is into cranial therapy and uh, has written a very really wonderful book, Coming Through the Fog. And her daughter now is, is a young adult and um, really grown up and living a very functional life. And so this is a story about how um, through the various wonderful um, holistic levels that we can go through, we can help a person with autism and understand really what it is. Um, it's a lovely journey. And, you know, we've got to stop looking at people who are autistic, painting them as one brush, as, as being unfunctional or unable to contribute to the world or to themselves and understand that there are very many different levels of it and how we approach it is a lot to do with whether we are the problem or the solution. So welcome to the show, my love. Thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate the opportunity and Happy New Year to you. And uh, we're going to make 2016, I think, a year of an enlightenment year, an awakening year of people. And this is one of the things they need to waken up to, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, so how about we just, uh, to start off with, kind of understand what the you know, Ashkvoda syndrome is uh, against, you know, the various different spectrums of autistic people, because uh, I know it's very misunderstood. It is very misunderstood. And and let me tell you, when I started my journey with my daughter in like 1999, um, I went to a wonderful seminar put on by the New England Institute of Education. And interestingly, what they told me was that, um, or what I was taught in the seminar, was that there used to be an actual spectrum. So you had classic full-blown autism um, at the lower end. Then there were some um, genetic disorders, Rett's, Tourette's, um, that have a genetic component to it. Then you moved into an area of higher functioning autism, which was pervasive developmental disorder and Asperger's syndrome, high functioning autism. Usually the child with Asperger's is verbal, whereas the child with pervasive developmental disorder is not. And then at that higher functioning or the highest functioning level, is ADD, ADHD. They all have the same characteristics, but to much varying degrees. And I want to say it was in the spring of 2014 that the powers that be in the medical community decided to do away with all of those diagnoses. Um, they moved to RETS and RETS out of that um, diagnosis, and they clumped all of the others together, and they call it autistic spectrum disorders but 
high functioning or not, you have to access a lot of the same supports you do for a lower functioning child if you want to get your child to functioning recovery. And of course, an Asperger's, um, uh, Ash, um, probably, is it Asperger's? Is that it's how you pronounce it? Um, it's Asperger's. Asperger's. Um, A-S-P-E-R-G-E-R-S. And, Asperger's. Uh, you know, I mean, that is, uh, I, I know somebody who had two children with autism. One was absolutely extreme, you know, had the OCD, had the, the autism, um, constantly yelling, lots of things going on at the time, no peace, no mm-hmm. quiet, uh, the eating disorder, the everything. And then she had another child with the Asperger's syndrome who was very, very, uh, you know, bright and went to school. And I think a lot of her problem was is that her facial expressions all the time kind of showed maybe distress. And, you know, I realized that it was more of her, this is how she was processing her information, how she was working it out, and that everybody was automatically assuming there was something wrong because of the facial expressions, rather than, you know, asking her, is there anything wrong, or just letting her say when something was wrong. So a lot of the reaction towards her was, uh, I won't say detrimental, but kind of misguided as opposed to what really was going on. There isn't, you know, I wish that the entire autism community would work together and so that you had um, a level of consistency in training and education for it. My daughter with Asperger's had serious OCD problems and the facial stuff that you talk about and the anxiety component, also very typical. Mm-hmm. 90, 94% of children on the autism spectrum have some degree of sensory processing disorders. So when you put them in different environments or for whatever reason they're stressed out, um, those autistic characteristics then present at a greater level. The lower functioning kids might act out or screech or have um, motor planning issues. And the kids with higher functioning autism, that can be so appropriate a lot of the time can become very inappropriate if their systems are overloaded. Mm -hmm. In my daughter's case, that sensory processing piece went ignored for years. We spent eight years with Western medicine doctors using a variety of pharmaceutical drugs to no avail. It didn't help her. It wasn't until I left Western medicine and really started researching autism that we were able to embrace the supports that ended up being the most beneficial um, for Heather. But she would have sensory processing disorder to the point where by middle school, she was shut down for up to five days where she couldn't walk or talk. Here's a very high IQ, honor roll student, missing 75 days of school a year, can only make it three and a half hours in that school environment, and then she would shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, I will tell you that her school to this day insists that by their standards, she didn't have autism because she was able to pass the testing that they utilized. Didn't matter that it was outdated, But because she could pass the educational requirements, she didn't have the disability and wasn't entitled to the support she needed to keep her healthy. Has this rectified? I mean, we see autism and the spectrum of it so much more now. 
Um, it's been talked about more. There's a lot more awareness out there. You know, are schools catching up? Is the education actually understanding? Um, you know, that, that really you just have to teach them in a different way? Um, there are pockets of school districts that are doing the right thing, but in actuality, I will tell you that our educational laws in the United States, for sure, kind of legally discriminate against our children. Because if your child passes the educational testing, they're not entitled to supports. But schools are not required to use current evaluation tools. They're not required to follow a doctor's recommend, doctor recommendations. So those things you know, guarantee that your child's going to be impacted. The school has kind of drawn a dividing line between what aspect of supports they deem medical versus educational. So if you have a child who's higher functioning, like my child, you know, she falls through the cracks. She could pass all of their testing, but there was no way she could be educated in the manner that they, you know, that's the educational law. Every child needs to be educated or have access to the same kind of education. So I'll give you an example. Because my daughter qualified for nothing, she has a full body tick, right? One that she has no control over. It's actually seizure related. She had 40 seizures a day, right? But because she qualified for no supports in school, she was required to use a bandsaw in a technical education class where she proceeded to slice the tip of her finger off. Oh, my God. There was no special education accommodation to provide for her safety or allow the school to alter the educational requirements. So it was things like that that really got me impassioned once Heather recovered to talk about this to other parents. I work with some beautiful high-functioning children now and low-functioning children that are really benefiting because they're doing things other than a traditional mental health provider with pharmaceutical drugs. Right. Um, I'll bring up vaccines. I I don't know how you can't. Um, You know, and I'll tell you, when I first started looking at autism, They didn't actually have definitive prevalence in 1999 or or 2000. You know, the last actual prevalence they had was one in 10,000. And then I have watched systematically as that prevalence has increased. You know, it went to, you know, one in 780 and then one in 600 and then one in 500 and something. Ultimately, currently, it's one in 45. Wow. And in the same breath, the required vaccinations have increased tenfold. So in 83, they required seven vaccines, right? 23 dosage of seven vaccines over the course of your lifetime. They now require 49 dosages of 14 vaccines between the day of birth and age six and and you there's a you know here's the correlation the higher the vaccination the higher the prevalence of autism Um, and if you look at the product insert labels on some of those vaccines it'll say right on them 
can cause SIDS and autism and Guillain-Barr and seizure disorders. Um, it, you know, it's frightening. So, And there's a lot ahead. of persecution towards parents who say, I don't want my kids to be vaccinated, isn't it? I mean, it's meant to be your right, free country. I understand if we had an a, a, a epidemic of E. coli or, you know, something like that going on. But, you know, we should have the right to say no to a vaccine. And yet the pressure... Absolutely. Um, and the pressure and, and also, you know, kind of almost the way they treat it is it's criminal if you don't, um, has got really out of out of control. It's gotten out of control. And we, you know, in the U.S. in 1986, um, our government uh, absolved U.S. vaccine manufacturers from any product liability. Oh. So we are unable to, to sue a license to kill. Mm -hmm. Now, most people don't know that there's a very strict closed vaccine court, the Vaccine Compensation Trust Fund. And if you can meet their time restraints, and if you can find a doctor willing to admit that it was vaccine related, and if you find an attorney who will take it, they believe less than 10% of vaccine injuries actually make it to this court, um, you can try to get some compensation. Um, so the other thing that the public doesn't know is that our tax dollars are going to cover these vaccine injuries for those that are successful and to the tune of over, you know, $3.9 billion. Um, oh, yeah, so it's not the, the you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies behind the vaccines paying for this. They're capitalizing no. on this. And then, of course, it's it's the general population picking up the tab. Uh, exactly a, a lack right. of accountability. I have done show on vaccines before. Uh, one where it was a bad batch and left the child paraplegic. Um, they actually, in a in a sense, told her to put her child down, and yeah. uh, she she lived as so a paraplegic. Sad. She could only speak through her eyes and blinking, and she went on to be an example of life and exuberance right up to the age of fifteen. Um, but she, even though it was a known bad bat, she still had to fight. They were kind of waiting for the child to die. Um, and, you know, she had to fight for that, that right yeah. there. It's, it's really what's happening is the pharmaceuticals have got free reign. They have free reign. And no what they're accountability, doing, no accountability. No responsibility. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and a great deal of protection. Right. And now what they're doing is they're literally buying politicians. Yes who will introduce bills to make these vaccines mandatory or under threat of no school, no job, yeah. fines. I mean, it's horrible. And I, I'll tell you, Heather only had 14 dosages of four vaccines. My husband was starting his career, so we traveled quite a bit and relocated. And I remember at... You know, those two-year-old shots, she had three vaccines and something changed. I brought a perfectly healthy child in and the child that came home with me was not the same. And I remember calling and saying, now tell me what the side effects of the vaccine should be. And they said, oh, a low-grade fever, maybe some injection uh, site swelling. I said, okay, my daughter's running 104. She's screaming and her legs are swollen from the crease up at her thigh to her ankles. And I was told, oh, it can't be the vaccine. Just give her some Tylenol and apply ice and she might be fine. Now, after that, we had um, 
systemic rashes, eczema, psoriasis, which I now understand is like one of the number one signs, the first signs of injury. But then she also developed asthma, severe environmental and food allergies, um, immune system disorders. So I didn't vaccinate for the longest time. And I didn't talk much about it because in 1999 or 2000, you know, you <laughs> you just didn't bring that up. Right. But now, but then when we relocated to Wisconsin, where we live now, she was required or I was told she was required to have three hepatitis B shots in order to qualify to go to middle school. Yes. My kids so, uh, here in Canada have the same thing. Yeah. So we did them. I I will forever have that little mother guilt because my gut kept saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I was bullied into it. Mm -hmm. We would actually refer to the next five or six years after that as the lost years. Heather lost 20 plus pounds while consuming thousands and thousands of calories a day. Um, she disappeared further into a fog. Her environmental and food allergies escalated. The sensory processing issues plummeted. And, you know, we were told to, to institutionalize her. Yeah. That's when she got her diagnosis. And we were told, well, you know, if we institutionalize her, we can give her more pharmaceutical drugs. And I said to them, how many pharmaceutical drugs can we give her? before we realize we're not getting different results. Or that they're right? perhaps killing her. Or they're perhaps killing her. And that's when I quit my job and started researching autism across the United States. And I was hearing a lot of different things. And what spoke to me a lot, the first thing was sensory integration, uh, uh, sensory processing disorders. So we actually, you know, in Wisconsin, I, I sought to find an OT that would evaluate my child for sensory processing disorders at 13, and we got turned away from every OT in a two-hour radius, except for one. Why did you get turned away? Well, here's what I heard. Oh, she's 13. Oh, she has a new diagnosis of autism. You must be in a fight with the school district. We don't want to get involved. Mm. Yeah. So what I know now is that the occupational therapists that are employed in the school system are held to a different set of standards for evaluations and services as their counterparts in the medical domain. So when we finally found an OT to evaluate Heather, I had requested the school do an evaluation and the school OT kept saying, oh, I see a problem. Oh, I, I see some things. Oh, I see. And then at the school meeting said, oh, whatever mom's doing is working. Heather's fine. She doesn't need any help. I got the evaluation the school did. I brought it to this OT. Bless her heart. Part of it is subjective and it leads the therapist to do... Um, uh, observational things and when she got done with the observational work she told me there is no way the school district could arrive at these conclusions based on this information and I know that because I trained them right and Heather had complete 
sensory processing disorder, and she was broken down at 13 to that of a three-year-old. So the very first thing we did was sensory integration therapy. And uh, Sue was the one, our OT, who I came to her one day crying. Heather's tics had escalated to 40 a day. And uh, the big medical community in Madison wanted to poke around her brain. They didn't think there was anything they could do because it wasn't considered epilepsy. Mm-hmm. But they thought they could go in and poke around. I was hysterical. Yeah. She said, I do this therapy called cranial sacral therapy. I said, cranial what? Um, I didn't know what it was. I had never heard of it. Um, but this woman understood my daughter in a way that I didn't. She spoke my daughter's language, and she was teaching me how to understand my daughter. So I agreed to a cranial sacral session. Um So let me tell you what that looked like. You know, we bring Heather in. She uh, is high-functioning enough. She laid on the massage table. Uh, Sue, the occupational therapist, you know, administered cranial sacral therapy, facilitated the work. And I kept saying to Heather, do you feel anything? And Heather would say, I don't feel anything, Mom. But at the end of that session, she got off the table, and she threw her arms around me and hugged and kissed me cheek to cheek, something Heather didn't like to be touched. Mm-hmm. I I realized in that moment I hadn't felt my daughter's arms around me or her cheek against my cheek since she was two years old. Wow. And here she was, 13. I could still choke up yeah. Just, yeah. just talking about it. Um, I couldn't wait to tell my husband. Remember, this was a time where we didn't all have cell phones, so I'm <laughs> driving the hour and 45 minutes home from this OT because she lived, worked quite quite a ways away. And we get home and Heather goes into her room like she always did. And I'm telling my husband how great this was. And by this point, you know, we're kind of running out of money. Mm-hmm. And here I can't pronounce it. I can't tell him how it's done. So, um, you know, he goes, I don't know about this. And we go and check on Heather and she's in her typical meltdown state. So my husband looked at me and said, you know, I don't think I'm buying this. But the next day, instead of Heather having a five-day meltdown, Heather was up. She was like a different person. She could make eye contact. She was engaged. She was articulate. She sat and ate a meal with us, something she had never done. She was always very much a closeted eater. She didn't like to eat with people. And my husband looked at me. It, it was like all the fog had lifted off. Mm-hmm. And he said, book more of those appointments. <laughs> and we did. And uh, Heather did great for about three days. And then she kind of fogged over again. And Sue, our OT, made another recommendation. And that was to try biomedical therapies. And I didn't know what it was at that time. But I will tell you now that everybody has a baseline chemical foundation that they need to function. And they found amongst children with autism that they have a different baseline chemical foundation and they're missing important components. Uh, a serotonin, which keeps your neurotransmitters mm-hmm. together in your brain. She was missing B and B complex vitamins, folic acid, magnesium. She had uh, 
too much metals in her body. She had an excess of mercury, um, uh, you know, whole panels of amino acids that she was missing. So that actually gave us a whole bunch more diagnosis, neurotransmitter disorder, serotonin disorder, autoimmune disorder. And what they do is they systematically replaced that into the body and the changes were really profound yeah. and I I look at you know I look back and I realize you know autism is a disability about brain function sensory integration teaches you how an individual specific sensory system works cranial sacral therapy improves brain function and the biomedical stuff makes sure that that brain has the appropriate chemical foundation to grow and sustain. It was amazing. It was amazing to see my daughter come through that and out of that fog of autism. I I will be forever grateful um, for the doctors that thought outside the box and were willing to work with us. Exactly. And, you know, let's let's just step aside from the autism mm -hmm. right now and look at, you know, how many people are actually having problems today. And it is so much due to, to the, the imbalance of chemistry in their bodies. Um, uh, you know, anxiety and depression are on the increase. Um, you know, um, you have people who literally go off the rails and people just mean you want to slap a, a label on them. Um, you know, they have um, mental disorders. Um, right. Whereas perhaps they didn't have before. And, you know, we don't realize that the, we're a, a little chemistry tube. And if we don't... <laughs> keep the balance in there you know something is going to pay the price and exactly it, and it is about that equilibrium within us you know of making right. sure that everything is is functioning um you know we're, we're an organic machine and if we're not being right. you know uh, fed properly oiled properly uh, or if we're being overworked or overstressed we're going to react out and absolutely so we really do actually have to look at you know um, not only our nutritional our intake you know our body chemistry and how it works um know our triggers um right. you know what's going to set us off because we're looking at autism and we're looking at ocd and we're looking at add you know as an epidemic we're looking yep. at depression and anxiety i mean you know i can't stand these commercials depression hurts take this pharmaceutical drug drug and the side effects may cause suicide i mean i think it's irresponsible it is absolutely it is. criminal for them to be up there um and you know really when it gets to i suffer from depression i'm in one of those frame of minds right now it hits me every now and again and i know my body is out of balance it's you right. know it's chemical that leads to unrational thinking and right. we have to pay attention to what we're putting in our body, what our environment is, and these constant drug after drug after drug, whether it's inoculation or whether it's then a drug because of the inoculation, is changing the chemistry of our bodies and destroying it us. It is. And actually, you know, your immune system takes three years to fully develop. So if you think about it, we are vaccinating, mm -hmm. right, a developing immune system, and the vaccines are really designed to alter your genetic makeup. So, you know, I know measles is a big thing these days. You know, um, it's had a resurgence, uh, if you will, of measles. And 
you know, I could go on and on about everything that's wrong with that MMR shot and the CDC whistleblower that has admitted that um, they've known all along that the MMR causes, you know, autism. But, but my point here was really that now what you see is a genetically modified version of the measles. There has not been a death by measles no. in 10 years, but there's been over 100 deaths mm. by the measles vaccine. Right. So now they're seeing what they're calling retroviruses. And so um, we've been vaccinating so much that there are viruses popping up in people that have been vaccinated, but not in people that have not been vaccinated. Mm. So, I mean, back in my day, you know, we had German measles, we had measles, we had chickenpox. It's just one of those childhood things you went through. Yep. All right. And uh, your body built its own immune system. And there were very, very few deaths and things to do with measles. And there would be generally in people that w did have a very low immune system, um, you know, or other very, very often the economic situation of lack of nutrition. Um, right. But, you know, it really the kind of deaths, it was just something you went through. Whooping cough, of course, was another one that um, that was a bad one. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's great to kind of be able to stop these particular things from going through. But isn't that kind of part of the body's process as well? Because doesn't well, it build the immune system of our bodies every time we go through one of these things? Well, here's what happens when... When you get exposed, you know, in my day, we would have chicken pox parties. Somebody got a chicken pox. <laughs> it was a benign childhood illness. All the moms got the kids together, so they'd all have chicken pox at the same time. Right, exactly. So there is a whole slew of first defense that happens when you're exposed, right? Opposed to a vaccine where the disease is immediately injected into your body. Mm-hmm. So all of those first defense immune responses don't, your body doesn't have that opportunity to fight it off. The other thing is that, you know, we're designed to have some of these diseases mm -hmm. to protect us later in life. And I'm okay. going to use the chicken pox yeah. as an example, right? Now, chicken pox used to flare up every couple of years and the kids would all get it and you know, very, very few, if any, deaths from the chicken pox, right? It's a benign childhood illness. Um, but because those kids were having chicken pox, it maintained that natural immunity for the older people not to get shingles. Mm -hmm. Now, in 1995, we introduced the chicken pox vaccine because now it is a deadly childhood illness. And... Um, you know, they realized that what was happening is, you know, we're vaccinating all these kids for chicken pox. You weren't getting that cycle of chicken pox, so there was no natural immunity. It caused a shingles epidemic. Mm -hmm. the Which is far more painful and stays around a great deal longer. Right. And the pharmaceutical companies decided, well, we're going to try to give booster shots in a particular manner so that we can maintain this immunity but now they've vaccinated some kids so often with chicken pox, you now have children, high, high schoolers, coming down with shingles. Mm -hmm. My daughter did, actually. Uh, and she was 14 at the time. And, and she was 14. Yes. And it came from that chicken mm -hmm. pox vaccine. And yeah, that's exactly what's happening. So, you know, when the 
when big pharma makes so much money and they control the media and all you ever hear, nobody ever hears about vaccine injury. No. Right? No. I, I sadly have been to not one, but a number of funerals in the past couple of months for newborns that are vaccine injured. I know two people in a local church got a flu shot. They're now in wheelchairs. So, but you never hear those stories. Yeah, you know? I, I had uh, flu shots uh, done, and I, and it ended up with a mild case of mono. And yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I'm an asthmatic, so of course, automatically they want to give me a shot to protect me. Of uh, course. And I'm actually better to do nothing. I mean, in the last few years, I've taken nothing, done nothing, and uh, I have maybe had one or two days of a cold. I used to be a bronchial asthmatic. I would have, you know, something like up to like eight antibiotics a year for various things. And each one of them broke my system down and broke it down and broke it down and broke it down until mm -hmm. I became really, really, really ill. And I yep. walked away from the Western medicine and went over to nutritional and rebuilt my body. Now my body, yep. you know, has its good days and bad days, obviously. But, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, all those drugs and things, I hardly see a doctor now. Right. I, and I'm the same way and, and did the same thing you did. Um, how to get out of that cycle. Yeah. Quit, stop getting the flu when I stop getting the flu shot. Yeah. You know, there have been studies done, not in the U.S. because they won't approve these. But Europe has done studies looking at vaccinated children versus unvaccinated children. Mm -hmm. And by far, the unvaccinated children are far healthier than the vaccinated children. I mean, so, well, let's look at what vaccines were originally designed for. I mean, I remember, you know, I grew up with a, an enormous polio out, outburst. And so we had the polio shot to protect us from getting that. And hardly right. you ever hear of polio today. And I understand a vaccine for that because it's so utterly crippling and deaf, you know, defying. Um, but all these other childhood things we just went through, as you said, it builds the immune system. Um, and we had, if we went to third world countries, we would have shots to protect us against malaria and things like that, um, because we could be exposed to it very, very easily. And all of those kind of made common sense. But as you're saying now, the amount of poison that we're putting in our children's poor little bodies at such a rate, you know, that right. their bodies cannot cope with this. And, you know, no. the, and of course something is going to react to it. And, and of course, right. the, you know, as usual, they're, they're the last people to take ownership of it. So, Absolutely. you know, it means that parents have to come together and other people like these shows have to speak out and, you know, give right. warning. Um, I did a show a little uh, recently on midwifery of giving birth. And mm -hmm. I said she doesn't want to hear the word deliver. She said you deliver a pizza. You birth a child. And we're looking at even the, the birthing uh, system today as more being a manufacturing of a it baby. It is. And it, and treating even pregnancy like a, a disease, w you know, it's it's got hysterical here. And the only way we're going to take back is for people to say, no more. We're not going down this path. We stop bullying us. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know, since I wrote Coming Through the Fog and now I teach cranial sacral therapy and have written a lot about cranial sacral therapy and applications for autism, I am speaking with parents, well, all around the world, but certainly in great numbers in the United States. And the parents that are really getting functioning recovery are looking at the chemical makeup. They're looking at the diets. They're mm -hmm. looking at um, 
you know, what supplements that they need to put in. In addition, because it's a multidisciplinary approach to get to functioning recovery, but those that are embracing all of those pieces are getting results. Yeah. So I've seen children at four or five, very low functioning on the spectrum. Now, as young adults, they're functioning adults. Yeah. So yeah. we have... And, and also, I mean, we are looking at autism being an epidemic. And again, there are different degrees of it. Like, you know, some autistic kids are absolutely brilliant, incredibly gifted, yes. but, but socially inept or unable to be around certain people with idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Um, and again, we, we've got to stop looking at these children as if they are, you know, diseased or disordered. Um, it's just that these are their life challenges. And yes. if we actually understand how to treat them and how to be around them, how to interact with them, we will actually realize what a gift they actually are to us. Because very, yeah. very often they they see things and they do things in a way that is just so defined and so right. profound right. Um, that with this label of disability in front of them, we're missing the gift that's within them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I work with kids in my office now that if you read the paperwork from the school district, I mean, they have... They have protocols where after certain steps, they call the police. I have never in my office had any child be destructive or act in a manner that I see in some of this paperwork. And why is that? I have an understanding of the disability. I respect their sensory issues. I provide uh, supportive uh, tools for them within my environment so that we're not having those kind of responses. Um, you know, my daughter, Heather, too, she was not functioning in that school environment. You know, while, you know, we did the biomedical and the cranial, and one wonderful aspect that her OT taught her was a sensory modulation program where um, they actually, it's a teaching tool to educate the child about their sensory system and what it looks like when they're escalating or crashing and what counter sensory stimulation they need to keep themselves in check. Um, the school was not real supportive of Heather doing it, but we basically said, you know, it's, it's Heather's health and well-being. So yeah. here's the deal. She's coming to school three hours a day, three and a half hours a day. She's only coming in the afternoon. I will provide all the sensory tools that she needs. She has my permission to do them when she needs them, regardless of what the school says. There'll be no detention. There'll be no suspension. It's about getting her healthy and strong. Once she embraced those sensory supports in that school environment, she was able to reduce that absenteeism from 75 days a year to 23. Mm -hmm. She increased her ability to sustain from three and a half hours to six, and she stopped having five days shutdown. Right. So, you know, here's the thing. They're bright. They can be educated. If a child doesn't learn the way we teach, we teach the way they learn. Thank you. Right? Thank you. And, you know, that goes, I think, for the educational system across the board. Well, one of my favorite things to say to the school is that, you know, for instance, if a child is not getting something through rote memory, 
if you just try to shove that education down their throat, mm-hmm. it's like throwing marshmallows at their head and calling it eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Right? The child has to be prepared and open for learning. So we have to rethink how we're doing things, how we're educating them. Yeah. You know, I know one young man who couldn't make it through public school at all. He's published a number of books. Um, you I know? Mean, I I uh, left school at 16. I didn't finish school. Um, probably have a grade 8. And because I... I I was diagnosed with dyslexia later, um, but I was also a very sickly child, and so I would be out numerous weeks at a time, and when I go back, just too far behind, right. and they just didn't know what to do with me, so they left right. me behind, right. um, and so uneducated I am completely, um, so it's self-education, but I think what I'm seeing today, and we're seeing this more and more, you know, there are teachers that are teaching um, you know, math through music, having kids dance, having them clap, having them participate. This sitting down for so many hours and just reciting something, learning something from a book and repeating it is not a learning no, tool. It doesn't it's work. Not a t- Interaction, participation, making them feel they're a part of something. Hands on. Them. Hands on. It invites them to want yeah. to know. And when Absolutely. they want to know, they're going to make an effort to understand. Right. And then exactly. being open to, to be able to uh, listen to that child and the way they're asking you. And stop being so linear um, right. in, in, your, in your way of your listening or in your way of your teaching. I think the best teachers are those that are taught by their students. Absolutely. 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 Well, you know, I hope, you know, there's more and more parents that are getting enlightened that their child is not getting what they need at school. Yeah. Like me, like a lot of other parents. And you're seeing a little bit of changes. Uh, you can do online school and virtual school and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of homeschooling is going on. And I think you're going to see a whole lot more homeschooling happening because, you know, the the kids are not... Our, our public schools in the U.S., for sure, are, are not meeting the needs of our students. And so you, you see a lot of changes. And that's good. I think it's good. I think we're ready for a change. And, you know, when we look at the Internet today, I mean, you can Google anything. You know, it, when a child wants to know, they can Google it. And, and you know, first skill is that computer for them to right. use it as a tool and then open discussion on it. Or, you know, if you want to build, I mean, we're seeing kids at young ages coming up with innovations that are way beyond their years because their capability of learning is far beyond us because they are able to use so much more of their brain in in multidimensional ways and not this linear straight line that restricted us so much. And when you actually look at an autistic mind or anybody with what they call a learning disability, their knowledge comes from so many different avenues and exactly. where they have the frustration is maybe not being able to articulate that in a straight line. <laughs> exactly. 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 You know, I know I, I'll bring up Heather again. She has genius level nonverbal problem solving ability. Mm-hmm. So she could do very high, di- you know, difficult math. Couldn't show her work. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what happens if you can't show your work at school? Yeah. F, you fail. Yeah. Yes. You yes. fail. And then you've got some people that really do have the gift of the tongue and they can't do anything else. 
Right, uh, exactly. So, you know, I look upon, you know, uh, kids being born divas, uh, an acronym for a dreamer, inspirer, visionary, and aspiring. And when you look at a kid, you can actually see what they're, what they're designed for as a young child. You know, right. you can see by the, are they a builder? Are they a creator? Is it artistic? Yeah. It is, or, or, you know, or um, articulate, you know, and if we nurture those and help them build a dream or explore their dreams, you know, be inspired by them, see the right. vision of them, aspire to make it happen, we would actually see a much better and more functioning society. You know, one of the problems, and I speak to this all the time, the dysfunction of the world is society's expectation and dictation on who and what you should be as opposed to what you are meant to be. Right. You know, by society right. standard, based by your biological standards of who you're and what your purpose is here. And we see so many people redirect later in life, as you have. You redirected right. for a purpose of your child. You're actually now living your meaningful purpose. I am living my meaningful purpose. I feel like I I found my niche and I was put in the Midwest for a particular reason. I've been a certified cranial sacral therapist working professionally now for over 11 years. And I am teaching cranial sacral therapy not only to parents, but to professionals, OT, PT, speech and language pathologists, um, chiropractors, nurses, um, to pass the gift of cranial sacral therapy on. I have seen absolutely amazing things with my kids that I work with, um, uh, you know, chronic bedwetters or failure to potty train, and those issues have resolved. I've had nonverbal children begin to speak on my table. Mm -hmm. When you uh, release the restriction patterns through the cranium, through the skull. I mean, think about it. Your brain sits inside that skull. If yep. that skull is off in any way, if there's the Absolutely. asymmetry anywhere, then that brain can't fire in the appropriate manner for it to work the right way. So for some of my kids, you know, I've had toddlers that can't seem to walk and they're very flat on one side of the head. Um, and we balance that out and then they can get up and walk. Yeah. So it just depends upon, you know, it, that's why medicine is supposed to be individualized. Yes. So what is best for you versus what's best for me versus what's best for our children or our friends or, you know, it should be individualized. And medicine is not all no. individualized no. now. Certainly vaccines, it's one size fits all basically. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, so. you're talking about cranial, you know, cranial therapy. I mean, um, I have had a couple of car accidents which uh, um, damaged my neck, which has thrown my cranial off. And mm -hmm. uh, um, I've had a couple of times where somebody's corrected that and it changed, you know, my entire trauma right down right. my body. And unfortunately, I have my fascicle, which means the trauma comes back. It has a memory well, and it comes back. But, it's, but I will say you this. If you get more cranial sacral done... Mm -hmm. And there's an aspect of cranial sacral therapy called somatic emotional release. And we work very deep into the body and we're able to pull that cellular memory out of the body. So for some people, you know, for a lot of people, even, you know, even if your fascia is restricted, we can actually correct that. I wish you were here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that there are cranial sacral therapists 
worldwide. Yeah. I think there are hundreds of thousands of cranial sacral therapists. Um, so later on, I can t- help you find a cranial sacral therapist by you. Actually, if you go to upledger.com um, and uh, look under find a practitioner and you can put in uh, where you live and it will be able to pull up who in your area has cranial sacral training. And, you know, I mean, it's it, the thing is, I think what um, we love to overcomplicate things as human beings. Uh, and we think that, you know, somebody who's meant to be a specialist, you know, um, you know, the, the, the PhD with a lot of letters behind them that they know more. Um, and we forget that actually very, very often it's the simplicity of things that is the answer. Absolutely. And, you know, if the, if, if the cranial is off, if the, you know, both sides of the brain are not properly aligned, it's going to cause problems throughout yes. the body and the yes. alignment. Um, if the chemistry of the body is not in balance, there's something out of sync, it's going to cause some reaction in the body. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's going to also cause um, emotions to change and reactions to other people. People have got to understand it's really all about balance and keeping things in an equilibrium and having yes. things in harmony with one another. And if yes. we stop constantly look for a download app to solve it all or a quick pill to solve it all or right. a quick operation to solve it all and start looking at that investment into discovering what will help you realign and rebalance and work on that, you'll get to that harmonious state where everything's in sync, everything's in balance. And Absolutely. then life is so much easier because this isn't just for autistic kids. Um, no, this is for anybody that's dealing with you know stress, anxiety, balance, which is an epidemic nowadays. An it's epidemic, an epidemic, epidemic. We're working too hard. Yeah, the quality of our food is not what it should be. Nope. You know, uh, you know, we become a a convenient society. You yes. know, fast food, a quick app, a quick download. Yes, you know, and and that's not the way we were designed to be. That's not the natural order of how it should be. We're on overload all the time, overstimulated all the time. The brain needs to shut down. Simple things like meditation or taking a walk or chilling out, shutting off. You know, we need to do that. And um, not enough people do. It's, you know, folks, what we're doing ain't working. We have to reevaluate and and start looking at those things that just put us back in sync so we can be back in that equilibrium. And, uh, And then actually understand that something that's so-called a disability very often is a gift that has come in a challenging package and once you actually understand what that challenge is and uh, equilibriumize it you'll actually understand what the gift is exactly exactly yeah but uh, you know again people have got to step up don't they when we talk about pharmaceuticals and doctors owning their actions but at the same time we've got to own our own haven't we we do. And and you have to do what's best for you. And yep. I, you know, I know now, you know, I won't let another doctor bully me into mm-hmm. something because, you know, especially since most of them are getting kickbacks yes. from the pharmaceutical companies for the drugs that they're recommending. So, you know, that's one of the first questions I asked. The, I, I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I went to a doctor, but... It, I would want to know if you're getting a kickback from this pharmaceutical yeah. company because then how do I know that you're prescribing something because it's in my best interest? Yeah, exactly. And and that should be just uh, criminalized anyway. And you know, you Absolutely. talked about the politicians that, that have been bought. You know, as a Canadian, I'm watching your politics. 
I'm a Bernie person because uh, he's supported by the people. A few dollars here, a few dollars there. Yes. No, he's not to be bought. And, you know, quite honestly, when, when we look from the outside and we look in, and it really, it's, you know, America's for the highest bidder. Um, it is. And, and that's the scary part. Yeah, exactly. And if you I mean, want to that change, then each one of you are going to have to step up and say no more and stop supporting those people that are so easily bought. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every mandatory vaccine bill that has come up in the United States, if you look at the politician, they have received a substantial yeah. kickback from Big Pharma. Yeah. Substantial. And I I think that's an ethics. That's oh, an absolutely. ethics thing. It, it should be absolutely. criminalized. Absolutely, it's unethical. Absolutely should be criminalized. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when you think about it, it's you forget about your politicians running the country. Uh, they're puppeteers. Exactly. Um, right. And, you know, farmers there, uh, your warlords are there, uh, Wall Street is there. Um, you know, and you think these people are going to be there for you? No, they've just been given a speech to hook you right. in. And of course, the one the other thing I mean, that's actually caused my depression <laughs> right now is this hate mongering going on. And it's disgraceful. Uh, it's disgraceful. It is disgraceful. It is disgraceful. Yeah. And uh, again, we have to own, you know, not only our thoughts, our actions, our words and our reactions. And, you know, coming from when you hear people say, I'm religious and let's kill all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> the, right. that doesn't right. go in the same sentence. So um, accountability has to step up. So, you know, if you have been victimized through vaccinations, through misdiagnosis, through drugs, um, it's not poor me. Uh, who am I going to get? It's like, OK, I have to now take back my life, take back my health or that of my child. And right. do what I need to do to give them a quality of life. Absolutely. And the, the fight can come later. But first and foremost, um, you have to look to what will work. And again, it's generally that simplicity. Not saying that cranial uh, sacral um, training is simple. But the process when you think about what it does is simple. Yes. I mean, it's a very light touch therapy it was the cranial sacral system was discovered and the therapy developed in 1975 by Dr. John E. Upledger. And he actually figured out that you could use the bones of the skull as leverage to make corrections to what what's beneath. Yes. And um, it's, you know, it's done with it's completely not invasive at all. Right. You know, and so the kids really respond to it. Mm -hmm. The adults really respond to it. Um, I feel fortunate that I fell into this and gravitated so well with, you know, with the work. Um, I'm busier than I've ever been. I think people are tired of all the medications, yeah. you know. Drugs it, kill. Drugs kill. Just because they're, 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 you know, they're legal drugs doesn't mean they don't kill. They kill more than the other drugs do. Right, right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And nobody so. accountable, no drug lord to go after. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's and, you know, you, know you, you do uh, acupuncture as well. And when you think about acupuncture, it's been around for thousands of years. Absolutely. And there's acupuncture uh, with the needles. There's acupressure. Um, and there is the uh, acupressure where it is literally just pressing one side to balance the other side. Absolutely. I mean, all of these techniques are non-invasive. 
um, the, you do have to do a series of them to get your body into that alignment to get it set up right. and then maintain just like you would anything else like you do your vehicle yeah, um, you have Absolutely. to have a maintenance program, um, but it's it's again it's coming down to like step out of your narrow mindedness and look to things that have been around for a long time. And the cranial is just really a, a, another aspect of understanding what the acupuncture does. So, you know, the, all of these practices have been around for a long time in a different way. Just some people have discovered them, how to use them, you know, in a more advanced way or in a different way. Um, right. The answers are always there. We've just got to be willing, haven't we? Right. And open to them. Yes. And open to them. You know, my thing is, how how many times do you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results? Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't happen. No. Nope. And, uh, you know, don't watch your child suffering when you know there's something you can do about it. Um, you know, don't let yourself suffer if you are going through the high anxiety, the depression, right. or you right. think your body is out of sync. Right. You know, it's, it's, don't go to your doctor and start talking to them about this because A, they look upon it as competitiveness. And half right. the time they don't have any idea what you're talking about. Nope. Nope. So again, this wonderful thing called the internet, you can look up you know, uh, what other techniques are out there and, uh, you know, find somebody out there that that finds a technique that's good for you. Absolutely. And on that, okay. so how do people buy your book um, and find my, you and book your services, etc.? Um, if you go to my website, www.comingthroughthefog.com, um, I pretty much have everything there. You can buy my book, through there. I have class information on there. Um, when I'm speaking, I put my, my speaking uh, uh, appointments or schedules on there. Um, there's information on how to call me, email me, and I will respond. I know what it's like to be out there feeling like you're on your own with no help. So I hope to be a voice Mm -hmm. You know, a light at the end of the tunnel to help you get on track for yourself or your child. And of course, you've got the other site, uh, www.wisconsinforvaccinechoice.org. Dot org. I started that in August because as, as you know, uh, many states across the United States have uh, changed their laws and it's now mandatory to be fully vaccinated or your child can't attend school. And so there are laws being introduced that make it mandatory for adults to be vaccinated. And, you know, I, I, I have to just say, you know, my ancestors did not survive the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So that in 2015, I could have potentially dangerous medical procedures forced on me. And I think it's wrong. I think... You know, certainly if they're absolved from product liability, yes. we need to have the choice to say no, right? It's my body, my rules. Exactly. I mean, you've got people even working for Walmart today and they have to have the flu shot or, um, or they can't work there. This is, where is that right, you know, of personal freedom? Well, not yeah. only is it not right, but even the Center for Disease Control has come forward the flu shot is less than 18% effective this year. Right. If you have a flu shot five years in a row, you're 10 times more likely to get Alzheimer's. And if you want to base what the most dangerous vaccine is based on the payout by our federal government 
through the Vaccine Compensation Trust Fund, that would be the flu shot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yet people trot off, line up and get the shots mindlessly because, you know, some doctor or some government has said, you've got to do it. We've got your best interests at right. heart. Right. Uh, yeah. And in the meantime, the hand is behind the back receiving right. uh, the handout. So yep. it, it is buyer beware. It is also take, you know, stand up and take ownership of your own body, your own choices. Um, right. You know, don't just go into things blindly. Ask. And, uh, and know that you do have rights as a human being. Don't get bullied. And the more you're right. sheeple, the more you're going to be bullied. Um, right. So thank you so much for, for doing the show with me. It's, um, I you're know welcome. I'm going to have you back on a round table with, with, with Bill Mackey uh, because um, I know that uh, A, he will love the subject and we can take this even further. Um, Excellent. But, I look forward to it. Um, you know, it's so very much needed. I'm sorry that it had to come about through need that you had to take this path but then that was also a gift from your from your daughter because now you're yes. helping so many other people and so is she through yes. her suffering and for your strife yes. uh, but you accepted the challenge and now you're out there helping people um, so that they don't have to go through it so I, I'll just leave you with this um, we were told to institutionalize Heather Heather has now accomplished everything they said she wouldn't she graduated high school a secondary school drives a car, holds down a job, and bought her own house in 2012. She lives independently, and she's doing great. She still has autism. She has to, you know, stay on top of what's going on in her body, but never was institutionalized. And thank goodness I looked at other things mm -hmm. and didn't just go with what was given to me or what I was told. Exactly. So, Stop yeah. throwing away your kids or yeah. um, yourselves. Uh, Stop mindlessly going like sheep into the the slaughter um, and understand that there is always a solution if you open up your mind to it and just step forth and give it a try so yes thank you for for what you do um, thank you and uh, folks just please send the show on to other people because somewhere out there there's somebody suffering and they don't have to Thank you so much, Tammy. It's been an absolute delight, and I look forward to the next one. Thank you very much, Sarah. Okay, folks, remember, your choices are your own. Stop blaming somebody else when you're not making a choice for yourself or for your own family. There's always an answer. Be willing to look for it. Until next time. <laughs>